Hello and welcome to the Black Arrow's Employment Team podcast, where you have your very own employment lawyer in your pocket. This podcast is aimed at managers and business owners and aims to keep you on the street and narrow with your staff. My name is Simon Nelson. I'm head of the Black Arrow's Employment Team. This is our Listen and Learn season of podcasts. Episode five of season five of our Listen and Learn season podcast. So Bruce Banner has been dismissed. Bruce Banner, as in the Hulk. So yes. that, that wasn't made clear until now. Was it not? No, I didn't know it was Bruce Banner. He's a scientist. His employer is Tony Stark. Um, Miss Pepper Potts, the HR manager. Sore fist, Jack. What's uh, the Hulk? I only know about Pepper Pig, Simon. I don't know about this <laughs> Pepper Potts that you're talking about. Okay. So following Bruce's dismissal, he's extremely annoyed with Shields, his employer, and phones Miss Potts, the HR manager. During this call, he's upset and complaining about the way he's been treated, and he mentions he wants to see information that supports the allegations made. He finished the call by vowing to, commas, make Shields sorry for messing with him. You're hard. Flecks of green appear in his eyes. He also rips off his shirt in rage. That's not in the script, Jack. He's gone off piste. Okay, in any case, the following day, an email is received from Betty Ross on behalf of Mr. Banner, requesting copies of his personnel files relating to disciplinary offence. Well, so Brucey is turning into a bit of a troublemaker for S.H.I.E.L.D. You're a troublemaker. Do you know that, Jack? Cannot process this information. <laughs> it's Ollie Marles, Jack. Ah, Ollie. So this week we look at, number one, how to deal with the request, and two, whether or not S.H.I.E.L.D. can refuse the request, either in whole or in part. And to help answer these questions, we've got our own troublemaker today, um, Ruth Weir. Hi, guys. Good to be back. Not that much of a troublemaker, though. (laughs) (laughs) Just to clarify. We'll see. We'll see. (laughs) But no, looking forward to chatting through a few interesting points uh, in respect to Bruce. Good. First thing I was wanting to check, uh, Ruth, was to be clear. uh, Is this a valid request that he's made here? Well, so there's no strict format that um, an access request has to take to be valid. So it could be virtually any medium. Phone, email, letter. Could even be a tweet or a sort of... DM a direct message via social media. Oh, wow, a tweet. Yeah. Yeah. That's me schooled. I thought it had to be a letter. Yeah, me too. No, I I think it's quite a common um, misconception, but anything. So you don't also, you also don't need to refer specifically to the legislation or or sort of the phrase subject access request. So as long as it's clear it's relating to personal data, that's how it should be treated. Oh, wow. So in come any medium, it must be important to make sure all avenues of contact are monitored so you can pick up pretty quickly. Exactly. Um, you Organisations can't request that an individual follows any particular format for requesting the data because that's infringing on their individual rights um, and a breach under uh, GDPR or Data Protection Act 2018. So, yeah, just keep an, keep an eye on all avenues of contact. Okay. What about the fact it came from a third party, um, Betty Ross? Does that make a difference, do you think, Ruth? Um, so that's a good point. It doesn't automatically make it invalid, but it does mean that you need to be a little bit more careful when you're dealing with the request. You need to make sure that the person requesting is actually acting on behalf of the individual before releasing the information. 
because you want to get into a data breach scenario. So if you're in any doubt, get consent or confirmation from the individual that the data relates to. So okay. that applies quite commonly for, for our clients in the employment sphere. Mm -hmm. They quite often get asked for information from other solicitors like quite a lot, for example, um, or also trade union representatives sometimes do it as well. Yeah. So, so would that be, the, the, I presume if the request comes from a solicitor, you're probably quite quite safe to assume that that's been authorised. Yeah, I mean, it's probably quite safe to, to assume that, but, you know, if there's any doubt, um, you know, if you've been dealing with solicitor X and then solicitor Y comes in um, and there's any doubt, then just, you know, get confirmation. Yeah, double check them, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Um, and so for Bruce, I think there's just a, a couple of points on that. There's potential that the phone call the day before um, could have been a subject access request that he'd made himself. Um, although arguably it's not clear that he was looking for his personal data. He mentions wanting information relating to the, that support the allegations made. He wants to make S.H.I.E.L.D. sorry for messing with him, he said, didn't he? Yeah. And that shirt gets ripped off, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um to reveal a green chiselled body. <laughs> <laughs> Move on, people. Yeah. Come on. So I suppose Shield on that case could have erred on the side of caution and, and clarified during the call if Bruce was making a, a subject access request. But the follow-up the next day is, is a clear access request and providing Betty Ross is authorised on behalf of Bruce Banner to get the data, Shield need to treat that as a valid request and start processing. And how quickly do you have to... Um, process the request and then respond, Ruth. It's a suitably grey, changes month to month, unfortunately, timescale. <laughs> Lovely, I know, so our favourite. <laughs> got to do it without undue delay and within one month of receipt. So if the subject access request is received on the 4th of October, it needs a response by 4th of November. Okay, that makes sense. So you can potentially leave it until the 2nd of November to get a response together. But in any event, you've got to try and respond as quickly as you can, so... Best not leaving it to the last minute, if, oh. if possible. There's a lesson there, isn't there? For I'm you, sure. Jack. Yeah, absolutely. Never <laughs> leave it till the last minute. <laughs> <laughs> but does the time? Surely the timescale can't start until you're certain that the request is a valid request from um, Betty Ross. Yeah, that's right. So the period for responding can be paused in certain circumstances, like if you're clarifying the person responding is authorised, or even if the request is slightly unclear exactly what the data is that's being requested. So you can clarify that and then your time period will start once you've got that clarification. Okay. And in this case, though, S.H.I.E.L.D. might want to try and get ahead of the curve while clarifying so they could work in the background to get all of the, the data and the information pulled together so that they're certain, before they're certain that they can release it to Betty. Oh, there we go. That's a good recommendation, Jack. Nice. It needs to be weighed up, though, because... Um, I suppose you're putting in a lot of work in getting the information in that sure. if it turns out to be an invalid request, you've maybe wasted some time. So uh, it'll depend case by case. Yep. Um, but if you suspect it's valid, it would let you get ahead of the curve. Okay. So again, in terms of getting the data pulled together, practically it could take a while depending on what's requested and where it's stored. So any tips, Ruth, on how to, get, how to, how to go about this? Um, I think firstly, look at what's actually requested. Okay. Um, don't fall into the trap of over-providing or under-providing. Mm -hmm. So if you're under-providing, you've not actually complied with the request and could be referred to the Information Commissioner's Office for a breach of the individual rights. Um, but by the same token, if you over-provide, you might release information that you shouldn't have, which could cause issues, particularly in an employment sphere. Um, yeah. 
Okay, okay. So in this one, Shield should only release personal file information that covers the disciplinary, presumably only relating to Mr. Banner to avoid any data breach for other employees. Yeah, exactly. So it only needs to be personal data. So where Bruce Banner's identified or identifiable relating to disciplinary. Um, and if there's third party data in any of the documents, you can either redact out that third party data or you could just exclude it. So if there's so much information on a third party there that it doesn't make sense to release it, just exclude it um, on the basis it's information that's not permitted to be released um, under the rules. And SHIELD will also need to check all their systems, so that's electronic or paper um, systems, to be confident that all information is released. And, you know, could be quite a lot of info, a lot of work, sorry, if the request is big, like... Um, for all employee information ever held by an employer for as long as they've worked there, 20 years type thing, that could be a huge request. What about what if they referred to Bruce as BB? Would that require to be disclosed, do you think, Ruth? Um, it depends. So if there's nobody else with those initials, yes. Okay. Okay. Um, if there's half a dozen people with those initials, probably not. Okay. If it was okay. BB and a mention of his job title, then he becomes more identifiable okay, that way. Okay, so okay, it okay. just depends. It depends. Yes. Or they refer to him as Green Monster. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. <laughs> if, if he's the only Green Monster. If he's the only place. Green Monster there. <laughs> and so that obviously the one you just mentioned was quite a vast request. And and if that's all, if that's requested, you only get a month to respond. Is that the case, Ruth? Um, so if the request is quite tricky or results in a lot of be uh, data being requested, you can extend up to three months, but you need to let the individual know as soon as possible and explain the reason for the extension, along with when you expect to be able to comply. You can't just extend because you've sat doing nothing for three weeks um, sure. and can't manage in, in the week to get everything pulled together. Okay, that makes sense. So once Shield has an idea of the data to be released, do they then just respond with everything? Oh, could do, but then they're potentially over-providing. Oh. oh. Ah, pitfall it, there, Simon. No, don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'd always recommend looking to see if there's any other exemptions that apply. Okay. Um, so you can further restrict the information. We'd, we've mentioned one already um, in the podcast where information doesn't need to be released. Okay. Where it includes information on another person? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Okay. Um, but there's other exemptions as well, things like management forecasts, um, confidential references, anything that relates to sort of corporate finance. You don't automatically need to release them. Um, so you could validly restrict that information. Um, if you're applying the exemption, it's important to document the reasoning so you've got something to support your decision if there's a referral to the information commissioner. Okay but also means that you can explain to the individual why that information's not been released. Does that all make sense? That does to me. Yeah, it makes sense. I just had one question on access requests. Oh, classic oh, JB. Just one question. Just the one question. I'm sure it's an easy one, Ruth, but <laughs> can, can, you ever, Pressure's on. can you ever refuse a request? Uh, yeah, so good question. Um, and I think in this scenario, particular scenario, um, it's, it's quite relevant because... You could question whether SHIELD needs to comply with the request at all or whether they could refuse it. Um, the right to access your information isn't absolute and can be refused if it's manifestly unfounded or excessive. So there's no blanket approach to this and you need to look on a case-by-case -case basis. But essentially, it'd be manifestly unfounded if, for example, an individual made a request, then offered to withdraw it in return for a promotion or some other kind of benefit 
or if it was submitted with malicious intent to harass the organisation or cause disruption. Okay, so go on. What if the lawyer, what if a a crafty lawyer launches a subject access request in an effort to bolster settlement negotiations? That happened recently. Let's just leave, let's leave that, Jack. Let's leave that, let's leave that. So, um, um, Ruth, when when Bruce says he wants to make S.H.I.E.L.D. pay, is that potentially malicious, do you think? Can they refuse to comply with the request? Um, yeah, I mean, that that was the sort of point I was thinking on. You know, that could be malicious. Um, you know, if they're targeting a particular employee as well, um, they've got a grudge against them or send multiple requests for the same information as part of a campaign of disruption, you know, that would all indicate malicious intent. Um, that also ties in with the other ground for refusing where the request is excessive. So... You know, if Bruce put in repeated requests which are substantially the same or overlap with other requests, then that could be refused as excessive. Okay. Um, but it's important to note that it's not automatically excessive just because it's a large amount of data that's requested. Um, and in that circumstance, it's probably better practice to try and clarify with the individual what they want rather than try to treat it as excessive. Okay. Yeah. So with Bruce, it might be possible to simply notify him that his claim is being treated as manifestly unfounded and that's that? Essentially yes, Um, although I don't know if I'd want to be the person that sends that letter Imagine the fury I know. (laughs) ripping off the shirt chiselled chest Green eyes, bulging out (laughs) (laughs) Okay Um, So when when you're sending out a response you need to confirm the reason um, Shield's not taking action and confirm Bruce could complain to the information commissioner if he wanted to. Um, Shield would be able to not treat the request as manifestly unfounded um, or if it considers it as manifestly unfounded but they're happy to respond, they should follow the steps that we've kind of covered and respond to Bruce confirming the purpose of processing, the categories of personal data concerned, anybody that the personal data has been disclosed to, how long the data is kept for, the rights that uh, Bruce has got to get any data corrected, rectified, um, erased or restrict to processing. The right to complain to the information commissioner. Information about the source of data if it's not come directly from uh, Mr Banner himself. The existence of any automated decision making um, and safeguards if there's any international transfers and if it's manifestly unfounded or excessive, they could also charge a reasonable fee for administrative costs, um, although there's no, here's what that fee should be. But a million pounds, Ruth. Is that reasonable, reasonable do you think? Yeah. <laughs> for uh, my definitely. time, a million pounds. <laughs> Ten pounds. <laughs> for my time. <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Okay, good stuff. So we've got a lot of useful pointers in there. Um, Ruth, are you able to give us your top three takeaway tips? Yes. So tip number, tip number one of 100. No, I've stuck to three this time, definitely. <laughs> one of three, okay, let's go. Um, so have processes in place to recognise a request in any medium. Um, you don't want to miss a request coming in via Twitter, for example, because you weren't aware it was valid. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, because mm. I never even check my Twitter messages. Yeah. Because they're usually spam or subject <laughs> access. <laughs> they are. <laughs> Number two, Ruth. Um, <laughs> Consider if the data can be restricted from the request. So read the request carefully and only provide what's requested, but also apply the exemptions if they're relevant. Good. And tip number three. Um, Make sure you diarise the response date. 
So you need to respond as soon as you can, but make sure there's reminders in the day before the deadline, the week before, etc. So you don't want to inadvertently miss your one month cutoff. Good stuff. That concludes that podcast. Um, if you like that, then please do tag, share, retweet, post, blah, blah, blah. If you want to follow Ruth, you can follow Ruth. Ruth is at Corp Lawyer Ruth. Yes. Don't spell that, Ruth. Um, C-O-R-P. Yes. L-A-W-Y-E-R Yes R-U-T-H Phew, thank goodness Ooh. You can also follow Jack Jack's employer Jack and I'm employer Simon, do you want to spell Employer Jack, Jack? E-M-P-L-A-W-Y-E-R-J-A-C-K <laughs> You said Jai <laughs> J J um, Good stuff, that's it Cheers and cheerio Cheers Ruth Cheers <laughs> <laughs> next time on Employment Lawyer In Your Pocket. So, Bruce Banner, a.k.a. The Hulk, has appealed the decision to dismiss him. Mon Dieu! <laughs> you speak French since when? Si, senor. <laughs> That's not French, Jack. <laughs> oui, oui, senor, since last week. All right, okay, let's move on quickly. <laughs>